Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. I think we really have to understand that the pressure is so much greater for them to try and succeed, to try and socially be accepted. And the most important thing is, is that's what sports does. Sports gives you that opportunity to bond, to care about one another, to look at that person next to you and say, I'm relying on you. You're relying on me. Let's do the best we possibly can. And I say this to every one of you here today, is you've just tapped the beginning of your life. You've just started the journey. Make every day important. And make every day important to the fact that you're going to be able to give something back to someone, to your community, to your parents, to your friends, and even to yourself. We don't want to forget who we are. We don't want to get lost and feel like we're, we're out there alone because you're never alone. I mean, this is evidence of it right here. This touchdown club right here in Little Rock is saying to everybody, and to have as many, like once a week. Touchdown clubs go once a year. I've been invited. But once a week, are you kidding? And everybody comes out. The support is tremendous. And that's really what you need at times in your life. We all go through peaks and valleys. People say, you know, Joe, you're just an up guy all the time. No, I have my valleys. I just choose not to stay in the valley. Well, you, 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 you mentioned it. You know, college football is a little different now. Yeah. The FBS level, you've got uh, NIL, transfer mm -hmm. portal. Um, I don't call it college football anymore. I call it semi-professional football played by young athletes. <laughs> that's, that's basically what so, it is. So, so you like it? No, I don't. I don't like the NIL at all. I think, uh, I think that everybody contributes. I think, like I say, academically, I think it's very important. Um, there's an emphasis on it, but I really, really – the NIL – a small group of people are probably going to capitalize on it. The portal is what scares me. The portal scares me to the fact that if you enter a program, I don't know how, coach, I don't coach, I don't know how you recruit college coach. I don't know how you recruit athletes today because you don't know if they're going to stay a year, two years or half a year. Um, the thing is, is foundationally when you're at the age of these young men in, in this room today is really when you start to learn the foundations of life and the profession that you may want to get into as far as football goes. The coaches, the coaches are taking the time to teach you. But you can't, you think you're really good enough to go from one place to the next to the next when you really have no foundation to fall back on. I tell people this all the time. The great pyramids were not built on their point. They were built on, they were built on a foundation. I think that's what you're building in college. It's the first year you're learning, you're learning how to be a student athlete. And then the second year, you're learning how to you know, get into the program that the coach is teaching you. And the third year, you start to develop. And, and now, I think with the with the pandemic, we had you know there's six year six year athletes. But but there, where does the foundation go if you feel if you don't like ah oh, well you know that guy's pretty good ahead of me I'm just going to go someplace else. We're teaching kids how to quit and run, and I just don't think that's a healthy thing. I really don't. So. Um... You were talking about, uh, you mentioned the coaches, uh, you mentioned Eric Parsegan, uh, obviously Hall of Famer. Uh, another one, the next photo, uh, Matt, um, I created this award called the uh, Brawls Award that goes to the top assistant football coach in college football. One of the reasons there's a Brawls Award because Coach Brawls had assistants, like one of your head coaches, Joe Gibbs. I wanted to just maybe talk about how Era and, and Joe Gibbs influenced you and the kind of coaches they were. Uh, era was when you're in college uh, it's a little bit different because you're really coached by the assistant coach uh, you know head coaches have so much on their plate they have so many different things to deal with the you know practice schedules meetings radio shows meetings with the coaches uh, you know you don't get to spend a lot of time with coach gibbs it was a little bit of a different story because he was our offensive coordinator as well with era tom pagna was my quarterback coach when i was there and and tom was the one i spent a lot of time with 
Um, it's, it's like any great corporation. You may be the head of a corporation, but if you don't have the right people running it, you have no chance to be successful. Head coaches are the same way. I think the choice of your staff is as critical to the success of the entire school, of what you really want to do, or organizations we are in the professional ranks. Uh, Era was unbelievable. I, I was scared to death of him. Era would check on us. He'd send out a message. He'd say, uh, Mr. One of the assistants would come and say, Coach wants to see you. I'm going, oh, God, what did I do? How, you know, what are my grades? Then you start, then you, first of all, it's like if your wife asked you, what's going on? A thousand things go through your mind. What did I do? What, what, what did I do? And then you start, but in the coach as well, he wants to see it. And all he wanted to know was how my mom and dad were, how I was doing with my grades and all that, all that. And it was like, you walk out there and go, whew, thank you so much. And then with Coach Gibbs, it was a different story. We spent a ton of time together. Uh, I had the honor of uh, having a football life done on me about two months ago. And Joe talks about our meetings. I'm a little high strung, okay? I'm an A guy. I'm rocking and rolling all the time. Coach Gibbs is not. Coach used to sleep at Redskin Park three nights a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. And we'd had our meetings. Monday was a, a light day. Tuesday we were off. Wednesday we started our meetings. And so I'd come walking in, 7.30 in the morning was our first meeting. I'd come walking in, and Joe would just walk out of his office. And I'd go, hey, coach, how's it going? He looked at me, turned around, took his coffee cup, went back in his office for another 15 minutes. He said, I can't deal with you right now. I, I just can't deal with you. It, it's amazing. But uh, Joe was, I, we talk all the time. We, we talk on a monthly basis. And I have so much respect for him as a man, as a person, as an organizer. We had tremendous staff. I don't think people realize this. In Super Bowl 18 or Super Bowl 17, when we beat the Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins were 0 for 17 in the second half. Coaches, you can appreciate that as a defensive coach. They didn't complete a pass against us in in the second half. And of course, John ran for a ton of yards. But uh, Joe had a great way and a concept to be able to put us in the end zone. When I had a chance to play in '83, which was our year we scored 540 plus points, it wasn't a question whether we would win or lose football games. The only question was how many points were we going to score. That's how good we were as a football team. And, and Joe was the man, the architect. And then after I got hurt and we went on for the, the next two years after that to win the championship in 87 and 91. But I, I want to mention something about Dan Hampton and that group. Yeah. This goes to um, third game of the season, 1985. We played the Chicago Bears in Soldiers Field. Unbelievable football team. I think it's the greatest collection of athletes in the front seven that's ever been put together. That includes the Eagles. That includes the, the great Ravens team, the great Cowboy team. This seven was almost, I can close my eyes today and I can see Mike Singletary and Otis Wilson and Werbel Marshall and Richard Dent and Steve McMichael and Dan Hampton and Fridge Perry. I can see them like they're right here. You know why? Because all day, that's really where they were. They were in my grill the entire day. So we have a 10-point lead on the Chicago Bears. Got a 10, 10 point lead. So we kicked the ball away from Willie Gall three times, fastest man in football. Now we're going to kick the ball to Willie. I'm standing on the sidelines, ball goes through the air, Willie catches it, starts to run. I'm going, whoa, look at Willie run. Whoa, look at Willie really run. Ah, Willie's in our end zone, touchdown. Scores 10 to 6. But on that play, our punter is also our place kicker. He tears the thigh muscle. We don't have a punter. No, Coach Gibbs is standing on the sidelines going, we don't have a punter. What are we going to do? I says, hey, Coach, I can punt. He says, you can what? I said, I can punt. How hard can it be? You drop the fall, you raise, drop the ball, you raise your foot. Boom, piece of cake. No problem. He says, fine. Next time we punch, you punt. So we go out on the field and we get the ball in our own 13 yard line. I run a running play, gain two yards, second down and eight from the 15. I look to the sidelines and coach is signaling in a pass. I'm going, great. Chances are we're not going to complete this because I have a personal relationship with the punter. <laughs> I take the snap, drop back, pick out a kid in the third row, whoop, into the stands, incomplete. 
Third and eight, got that same relationship with the punter. He signals in another pass, I bounce this one around. the ground. Fourth and eight, guess we have to punt. Offense runs off the field, kicking team runs on. My teammates are going, hey, Joe, kick it right, kick it right. I said, Jimmy, just get it back here. Ball's on a 15-yard line. I'm on a goal line in Soldier's Field looking up going, Mom, look at me. I'm a punter in the National Football League. How great is this? And you know what went through my mind? Danny White was a punter for a, qu a quarterback and a punter for the Cowboys. So I thought, if Danny can do it, I can do it. So I catch the snap. The ball hits my hand. Have you ever had your world go into slow motion? The instant that ball touched my hand, the roar of the crowd just became a, oh, and I'm thinking, kick the ball right. Drop the ball, raise my foot. Pow! Ball goes spiraling through the air, hung in the air, went 16 yards. <laughs> I'm back 15. That's right, you're being addressed today by a record holder in the National Football League. I hold a record for the shortest net punt in the history of the National Football League. You know, I have people come up to me and say, you know what, Thighs, when you were a failure as a punter. I said, ha, I've never had a failure in my life. Only an educational experience that did not go my way. That's how I choose to look at life. But, I mean, it's all those crazy things happen. And, and I just, I get a kick out of visiting with guys like Dan and, and yeah. talking to different players that I had a chance to play with. When I played, we didn't have free agency. Mm. We all sort of hung out in the same city together. So today, guys live in Miami or Phoenix or someplace else, but we were all in Washington. There's four cities that are very interesting to me. New York, Washington, Dallas, and San Francisco. A lot of the players that I played with in the 80s all still live in that area because that's where we all grew up and raised our families. Because like I say, we couldn't go someplace else. 1982, we won a world championship. 1983, I'm the MVP of the league. 1984, my contract expires. I got nowhere to go. Somebody said to me today, said, what do you think you would have gotten if those circumstances were like today? And a world champion quarterback, an MVP of the league, you know what, 40, 50 million? But, you know, life is what it is, and, and I congratulate everybody and anybody that can get as much as they possibly can. You'll appreciate this, though. In 1984, I was the fourth highest paid player in the National Football League at $1 million a year. So times have changed just a little bit. It's like, I, but I think of Patrick Mahomes, you know, and I think he's the most fascinating one to watch as far as the quarterback position goes. Not only his ability to throw the ball, but his vision, his creativity are so wonderful. And you know, when Patrick signed his four hundred plus million dollar contract, he bought a, a part of the Kansas City Royals. Good for him. I think it's great. When I signed my contract, I sponsored a little league football team. <laughs> So we're exact sponsors and owners of football. So we're exactly the same kind of guys. A few zeros behind it, but it was still a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy money. You know, when, when I decided to have you here and I, was, and I was thinking through what I wanted to ask you, I didn't want to go to your injury. I just, you know, I knew everybody asked you about the injury. Everybody, I'm sure. So I thought I'd take a little bit different tact um, talking about what happened to you. Uh, number five, if you will, Matt. Um, the whole, um, the whole world, if you look to the, that was you to the left, that's your, your friend Mark May. Right. Uh, and I sort of, you know, compared it to what the whole nation was seeing last Monday night. And I just was, was thinking sort of what was going through your head because you've been in something, a situation, maybe not life threatening, but, um, having a situation where you, you know, you didn't know what was going on, how badly you were hurt and what happened with DeMar Hamlin. Well, first of all, thank thank the good Lord that DeMar is doing what he's doing and as well as he is doing. I mean, that's just so incredible. I'm so I'm so thrilled that he is able to do that. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I know he's in a hospital in Buffalo now, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills can win a couple weeks 
uh, that he may wind up at a game. And I think just an incredible inspiration for all of us. Because all of us have been where guys have gotten hurt. You've been on the field. And, and you know, it's, it's, we are we're all brothers in kind. That's who we are. We all care about one another like a family. It is an extension of our family. Um, I, I, you know, I've had different instances where I, I remember, you know, Coach Parcell standing above me, looking out down at me, going, "Joe, Joe, I'm sorry, I'm looking at Bill, going, Bill, so am I." <laughs> and and then and then Coach Gibbs comes out and he kneels down and he looks in my eyes. He says, "Joe, for six years we've been together. Joe, you've been such a big part of this football team. Joe, I, I feel so bad." I said. I'm sorry, coach. I apologize to both of them. I'm laying there with a broken leg, and I apologize to both of them. Then they wheeled me out of that stadium, and 55,000 people stood up and gave me, like, an ovation I'd never heard before in my life. 55,000 people thanked somebody who thought he needed absolutely no one. And, and so to me, that night, like I say, changed my life completely. But I'm so thrilled. I got to tons of calls that night uh, wanting to talk to me about it. But I didn't believe it was right. This was, this was, you know, all I wanted to do was focus my prayers on DeMar. It's the only thing that mattered to me, that this young man was going to be okay. At some point, will he play football again? That's irrelevant. Just let him live his life. And that's the thing, because what these young men are going through right now are preparing themselves for life. The amount of effort you put in, the amount of time you put in, counting on one another, relying on that person next to you, relying on the coaching staff for guidance, those are all lessons that we all can take forward in our lives. Uh, last thing we'll do, this uh, show me number, uh, number seven, Matt. So um, everybody's heard about the Hogs. Yeah, they that's are. not the Razorbacks, that's the Washington Redskins Hogs. And, to the left over there, Mark May, number 73. And I want to, I want to the left of him is George Stark, Mark May, Jeff Bostick, Russ Grimm, and Joe Jacoby. By the way, Joe Jacoby should be in the Hall of Fame. Russ is already in. Jake should be in. Yeah, I met Jacoby last year at Mark May's uh, event. He still looks like he can play. I mean, in that, that offensive line, you can make the argument one of the greatest to, to ever play. I think so. I think they're up, you know, Buffalo had the electric company. Everybody's got, mon they've got yeah. different names, you know, yeah. the, the purple people eaters, the, yeah. the steel curtain, everybody. These, these were the, uh, these are the hogs. Uh, the uh, 73, Mark May, who appears with us on the Buzz weekly, he, he made a comment about, said that, uh, so that you and uh, him used to... Uh, yeah, we used to play a little bit of gin all the time. Yeah. yeah. I built so an that, entire wing on his house. That, that is true. That he, you, he, yeah. he beat you so much that he actually added a room on his house. Yeah, he did. He did, as a matter of fact. It's called Joey's Room. <laughs> but uh, we find ways to pass time on airplanes. Uh, and the and last thing, uh, I've seen a couple of photos of you. You've said you've stuff, stuff, done stuff for Washington. How do you feel about the current ownership? Do you think are you happy? You like to see things change? I I don't really I don't really know nor have do I have privy to the information to do, figure out whether what'll happen going forward from an ownership standpoint. I know I was very proud of the way this football team bounced back. Um, I thought that, you know, the games that they played, you know, the first giant game, you know, the official aired and the league acknowledged that, so we wound up losing that football game. But they had a chance. We would have been, I think, the only division that would have had four teams in the playoffs had we had the opportunity to get there. I think Ron Rivera's done a, a great job. Like every, like about 13 different teams in the National Football League, we're probably going to go on a quarterback search. Uh, I think they're going to look for someone to come in and, and be their guy. Sam Howell played really well in the last game, uh, and so against the Cowboys, um, which to me, the Cowboys are an enigma. Who are they? You know, I think that uh, this weekend, well, Monday night, when the Cowboys play the Buccaneers, I don't think anybody in this room can tell us <laughs> what the Cowboys are going to look like. Because I don't even think they know what they're going to look like. 
You know, they come in and they're, they're you know, but highest scoring team in yeah. football, and then all of a sudden you can't catch a punt, you can't receive a punt, you can't punt the ball, all these little things happen. But I think the playoffs are going to be exciting, and this is, to me, the most exciting time of the year. Having had a chance to go through this process, football is broken down into three different speeds and three different officiating styles. In the first pre in the preseason, they sort of emphasize different things that rules have been changed, and there's a certain speed. Then you get into the regular season, and there's another speed. And six, 17 games is a lot of games. I didn't realize that the 17th game would be as much as it really is in the, in the strain it is. And then you start the playoffs. First round of the playoffs, things pick up. Second round, they get faster. Third round, they're faster. All of a sudden, you're in the Super Bowl, and things are flying. I mean, you really need to have your game at, its, at the peak when you get there. Uh, and it's interesting. And the officials, you watch. Watch every one of these playoff games. They're going to let them play, which I love to see. And I have one thing that I believe and I wish college football would do. I wish college football would eliminate the stoppage of the clock after a first down. Just let the clock keep running so I don't have to watch five hours of college football. I like it. I love it. But five hours just draws it out. I think it, it might just, it might just enhance. Not that anybody ever listens to me, you know, but, but I, I just threw that out there in case somebody in the NCAA hmm? <laughs> or a conference might want to consider it. I don't, you know, I, I don't know. But I, I just, I feel like uh, at times it just, it gets long. Now, this is c cowboy country. You know, there was some, a lot, a lot of hatred. Oh, there back should in the day be. Between Coach, did, did Jerry, you are you? Cowboys as much as the Cowboys? The Absolutely. <laughs> they didn't like us. We didn't like them. We were, we were talking about this earlier. The reason why there was this thing, George Allen really started it with Tom Landry. You know, George was the, this guy. It became, it became personal for Coach Allen when I played for him. It was personal. You know, Tom Landry and, and, and the Cowboys. It was a very personal thing. Um, Jerry Jones is an incredible man, just a wonderful human being. And um, I came out of Destin, Florida this morning. Jerry has a place down there. And every now and then I'd see him while we're broadcasting and, and just get a chance to visit. I think if you're going to have a great rivalry, something has to be at stake. You know that from where you are. Something has to be at stake, whether it's a high school championship that you've been going against each other, a college championship, or as for us in the pros. And, and always for us, it was the Cowboys, and at that time we were called the Redskins. And it was us against them, and one of us was going to go to the playoffs, or one of us was going to go to a division championship, or one of us was going to go on to the Super Bowl. And that's what made it so much fun. And I, I have, like, like I say, Cliff Harris and, and that whole bunch down there, they were unbelievable. I mean, you know, Randy White, John Dutton, uh, Harvey Martin, Ed Tutal Jones, that entire group. Everson Walls used to drive me crazy because he never was where I told him to be. <laughs> he was a defensive back. Ever try to tell a defensive back to move over? You're trying to run a route and they don't move. Very uncooperative people. <laughs> defensive backs are very uncooperative people when it comes to that. Everybody, let's give it up for Joe Theismann, everybody. Thank you so and much. All the honorees here. Thank you for Thank being you. here. Congratulations, young man. Keep up Thank the good work.